Well, Get Smart Sports Guys is brought to you by CellMaxBatteries.com. As always, the go-to website for all your battery needs. CellMax Batteries carries a full line of super heavy-duty ultra-alkaline lithium and button cell batteries. CellMax Batteries compares in quality to well-known national brands, and the best part, CellMax Batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. Flashlights, remote controls, gaming controls, headphones, digital cameras, hearing aids, smoke alarms, whatever device you need a battery for, CellMax has the best batteries at the best price for your device. Order a 24-pack of AA or AAA heavy-duty batteries for only $5.99, or a 24-pack of ultra-alkaline, ideal for all kinds of gaming and high-tech devices, at just $12.99. Does your basketball team look like they need to change your batteries? Then head over to CellMaxBatteries.com and order today and use code, code BOSTON, that's code BOSTON, all uppercase. Oh, look at that. Sounds like a basketball team that needs to change the batteries, actually, Boston. Uh, all Boston, uppercase, and save 20% off your entire order. Once again, that's coming code Boston, all uppercase, at checkout and save big today. Semi-batteries.com, C-E-L-L-M-A-X-batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys podcast. Thanks, as always, to Dolly Dreams for the intro music. And this week, we're talking about the Celtics. They just lost to the Wizards. Jack and I are just hopping on the podcast. And Jack, just go. Just go, Jack. Just, just, <laughs> just say say what you need to say, and then I'll go. You go first. Uh, that was probably the most embarrassing loss I've seen under Brad Stevens. Uh, that's in no way blaming Brad Stevens, although there probably are things you can complain about, uh, even in this one, about everybody except for Kemba Walker and maybe Aaron Neesmith, who played decently well. But... The thing I've been hammering ever since the Pistons game, which although it was only two days ago, feels like an eternity, is just they don't move the ball anymore. Like the Raptors game was great ball movement, and then they flip-flopped immediately to just stop. Like they just didn't pass the ball. Russell Westbrook had 11 assists. The Celtics had 13 as a team. So like that there alone should tell you something's wrong. And on top of that, you know, Tatum didn't look good. Uh, Jalen Brown had a quiet 25, but he didn't look too effective all night long. Uh, the shooters weren't making their shots. Daniel Tice had his second cold night in a row after an insane hot stretch. It, it was just like no energy on defense, no ball movement on offense. There was barely anything you could pick out of this game that looked good for the Celtics. It, it was just ugly. Okay, I'm going to start with the good things. Kemba Walker looked pretty good. And that's it. Now we'll get into the bad stuff, okay? And Brad Stevens was with us on this stuff because he, at the end of this game, ripped into his team. Uh, by the way, 91 points against the Wizards. The fewest the Wizards have given up uh, in this in a game this season. Uh, do you want to guess what the, the two previous games... I think it's the, the first game, if I, my memory serves me looking at this, I think it's the first game they've even have had held an opponent under 100 points. So they hold the Celtics to 91. I don't know if you saw my tweet. Do you know when the last time the Wizards held an opponent under 95 points was? No, I don't. Was it like a year ago or something bad? The last time they did it was against the Celtics in the last game of last season. They did it when the Celtics were playing, uh, no, you know, obviously nobody in the bubble, the last game of the bubble uh, mm -hmm. games, the eight games. And I, do you know what the time before that was? No clue. It was again against the Celtics, uh, January 3rd, 2020. <laughs> and uh, I don't remember that game. I just looked it up. I didn't, I didn't uh, look into the game too much, but... The last two times those have done it are against the Celtics. So you mentioned the Celtics having problems against the Pistons, uh, and we've talked about that a lot since they lost two of three and had a cl another close one uh, with them. And you mentioned I don't want to play. Uh, it was either you or Tim who said I never want to play the Pistons again. Uh, the Wizards give them just as many problems for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just so weird because I mean, obviously Bradley Beal has a game, but the whole team was just clicking i guess like when i was watching the wizards move the ball at points i was just like wishing that that was the celtics and i never want to wish the celtics are the wizards so that was that was a painful moment 
Yeah, and and we talked about this pregame. It's just there's no ball movement at all in this team. And and you know we we heard you know we talk, had this debate about do they need a pass first point guard and, and that thing. I'm not going to get back into that, but. The point I brought up was they need to be a good passing team. The Warriors are a good passing team. The Spurs, back when they were in their heyday, were a good passing team. The best teams have everybody moving the ball. And they it's not just assists per game for a team. It's passes per game. Those stats are what's important. And the Celtics are not doing it at all right now. And they need to get out of that. And Brad Stevens mentioned after the game, like, ball pressure, energy, running to spots, being in the right spot, guys actually wanting to play. And the Celtics just not having enough of that. And for whatever reason, they, they've lost their identity this season. They've completely lost it, and I don't know where it's mm-hmm. gone. I, I remember at the start of this little stretch here, uh, Sam, our friend Sam, said this is going to be a great stretch for the Marcus Smart haters, and it's either going to be a great stretch for them or against them. And it is about as much against them as you could possibly get because as we keep hammering, I, I'm pretty sure you keep bringing it up, Marcus Smart still leads the team in total assists by a wide margin, and he's been out for two weeks, and that's unacceptable at this point. Marcus Smart's assist-making, playmaking, whatever you want to call it, is the best on the team by far, and it's never been more clear how vital that is to the Celtics team. So if you're one of the people that says trade Marcus Smart on a daily basis, you're a clown. Okay, fair to an extent, but Marcus <laughs> Smart has Marcus Smart has been out in the past, and they haven't been this bad. Like that stretch where he he missed. I, I well, I, I, even at the beginning, I'm trying to find that stretch where he broke his hand a few years ago. I, I know I, he, I'm looking at this now when he was out against you know in the playoffs at the beginning of the playoffs in 2019. You know they won those first four games against the Pacers, and they beat one of the first game in Milwaukee. We know how how all know how that went. That's the first one I could find. I guess it must have been way back in 2017-18 that he broke his hand. Uh, the Celtics went, I'm trying to look at this quickly, 5-1 and one to start that stretch. And then down the tail end of that stretch, they, they started to fall apart. But they had wins in there against the Clippers. And the Clippers, I think, were that was their 8-seed year where they were still pretty good with Tobias Harris and Lou Williams and those guys. I think they traded Tobias at some point. But, you know, that, that team was still pretty solid. They beat Denver. They won by 30 against the Knicks, which... You know, the Knicks weren't any great shakes at that point, but win by 30, you blow them out. They beat Atlanta, they beat Portland. So they had win. Like, they, it's it's not as simple to me as, as it's Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's out, and this is the value of Marcus Smart. It's something deeper than that. They, they just, like, guys across the entire roster aren't playing hard and, and aren't, you know, passing the ball. And Marcus Smart coming back, Marcus Smart can't fix that. It's on everybody to, to, to pick it back up. See, I agree with you there because today against the Wizards was just a horrible display of hustle and no one was moving. But I feel like on those teams that you mentioned when Marcus Smart was out, the Celtics had other playmakers like Gordon Hayward, obviously, Kyrie Irving, and even past that, Al Horford was an underrated playmaker at the five. And on this team, there's literally no other, like, actual playmakers on the team aside from Marcus Smart. You can make the argument for Jason Tatum, he's improving, but that's not his game. You can make the argument for Peyton Pritchard, but he's just a rookie, and he he's mainly a three-point threat, I feel like, at this stage in his career. He can develop, he has the tools for that to be a good defender, to be a good playmaker, but at this point, it's not fair to put that weight on him. Kemba Walker's never been a pass-first guy, and I'm not even arguing for a pass-first guy, but he's a scoring-minded point guard. Marcus Smart has always been a playmaker, at the guard position and you can you can complain as much as you want about his you know his shooting even though it's been solid this year but he's the only real playmaking threat the Celtics have on the team right now on the roster and 
the times you're talking about, I feel like they had guys who could at least back them up in that sense, but right now they don't. And that's why I think it's showing more than ever. And, and the playmaking stuff, I absolutely agree with. What his playmaking coming back is going to help. But my point is that when you're, when you said the thing about this is the value of Marcus Smart, this is like pointing as if this is a, a huge reason why they, they've lost their identity is because that's what I said. And that's how you, how you responded to it. I, I just, I don't agree with that part of it because that there's so much, more wrong with this team to me like I, I don't think it's a, a, a Marcus Smart can add that intangible element to everybody else like even when he was here even before he got hurt this we still saw glimpses of this throughout the, the start of this regular season yeah no I agree and it's hard to argue against there being multiple issues after you watch a game like that Wizards game so obviously there, there's more wrong with the team than just playmaking I'll give that to you it's just he'll he'll definitely help in the playmaking and the hustle portion i feel like a little bit i I feel like he's a great motivator obviously it's not going to solve the whole problem like if your guys can't get motivated on their own that's an issue within itself but hopefully marcus will help that but past that i think i don't know if you were going to bring this up but danny inch has to make a trade and probably more more than one yeah and we'll get to that in a second first before we get to the trade stuff i want to get your reaction to brad stevens comments after the game here were just a few of them i'll read them off to you and i want to hear what you think pick out whatever parts you want out of these he said, we have to play well to win. It's not like we're just going to roll the balls out and win that game. We have to play well. When we don't play well and we don't take care of the little things, we definitely have no chance. Here's another one. Guys that really move the ball or guys that really run to spots and really execute hard have probably got to be the priority playing-wise. That's clearly an issue. And then the last one here, if our team can play like the last five minutes, speaking of how well the bench played in, the, in garbage time, if the rest of the team can play together and play well in that last five minutes, then we'll be as good as we can be. And if not, we'll be average. I mean, they're 13 and 13 right now, so they quite literally are average, which is nothing you want to see as a Celtics fan with a team with this high of expectations, this high of a ceiling. And I, I like the part he said about it, the first one. I forget exactly what it was, but we can't just roll the balls out there. Again, something my friend, our friend Sam always says, they play to the level of their competition. And whether or not Jason Tatum was, you know, tired, obviously the guy's got to be exhausted. He's played huge minutes in three games in the span of four days. That's exhausting. Jalen Brown was there. Sometimes he looked engaged. Sometimes he was just kind of waltzing around. And I think a big reason that Aaron Neesmith, everyone's talking about right now, is because he doesn't play which obviously everyone wants him to, but the reason he was able to hustle so much in this one was because he doesn't really get playing time, so he probably wasn't that tired. And maybe that's Brad saying, okay, he's the fresh guy, he can go in there, but he's not ready to contribute, you know, big points, big shots. He played solid defense, but he's just a rookie, and I think this is why he doesn't get regular minutes in general, because he, he can't really stay consistent from three right now, which is fine. He'll get there. I'm not, you know, bashing Neesmith or anything, but... You got to give, I was watching Scal on post game. He goes, you got to give Tatum some slack because I mean, the guy's probably exhausted, but at the same time, shooting what, three of 14, two of 14 from the field as the best player in a team is not really acceptable. So I understand both sides of the coin there. And the other thing, you know, obviously you got to touch on is that he literally called out the team for not hustling hard enough, which is not something Brad Stevens usually does. So that's when you know things are bad. If Brad Stevens is calling the team out, then that's just, it's just not a good sign. And I don't know about you, but I haven't felt this pessimistic about a Celtics team since like the dark ages, like between the big three and the Isaiah Thomas era. Like that, that, that is how long it's been, even during the Kyrie era. I'm like, it was disappointing at times and there were certainly bad moments, 
but at least they were, you know, they were still had a winning record the whole time, and you still felt like this team has the, has the talent to win come playoff time, and that's what they kept reassuring you, is that well, once playoffs roll around, we're going to turn it on, and we're going to be good. <laughs> and they still were hovering around, you know, that four, three, three seed in the East, and, and you know, they, they still seemed pretty good. This team is now falling far down the standings. And I, I don't know. I mean, I really, really haven't felt this bad about a team in, you know, eight years. It's been that long. See, this might sound really sad, but I'm not as much worried as I am just, like, kind of disappointed at this point. But the main thing that's kept, like, keeps going through my head is just, and this is sad to hear as a Celtics fan, that maybe this just isn't the year. Like that, and that sucks. Like, right? Like, this team has the potential to be in contention every single season. But when you factor in Kemba's knee surgery, the fact that he probably is getting a little older, Marcus Smart's injury, you know, COVID, everything going around, people going down, getting hurt, having to play a ton of minutes, you got to think about the fact that, and this is just a fact, right? You can't bash me or whatever for oh, just trying to stay optimistic. Optimistic, they suck. Tatum and Brown are twenty-two and twenty-four years old, right? They got plenty of time left, but at this point. When they're playing this many minutes, when they're playing this well, they're playing this hard outside of the Washington game for Tatum, obviously. Danny Ainge has to get them some help. And whether that help is next year, two years down the line, to give them contention when they're in their prime, because this still isn't their prime, people forget, or help right now and in the future, which would probably be the best option. Like, you know, someone 27, 28 years old who will still be viable two years down the line, but is a veteran. There's plenty of time for the Celtics team to win. And as important as it is to remain competitive right now, there comes a time where obviously you're not going to throw in the towel. I still think the Celtics can be competitive this season. They just have to figure a few things out. But it's it's no time to stay too pessimistic when you have such young guys on the team. But in terms of this season, I, I would tend to agree with you. This is probably the worst the Celtics have looked since, you know, Kyrie throwing the towel in against the Bucks. And I, I understand why you're saying that, and I actually agree, like, the future is more important than the now. But you understand why that's still not an acceptable answer, right? They, they, yes. I, it, we yes. can't just sit here and accept the fact that they're going to be bad this season or average this season, as Brad Stevens put it, they're 500 right now, as you said, that because this team is, is obviously capable of so much more. Even in their current state, they should not be a 500 basketball team. Mm-hmm. It's bad. I, I mean, there's no other way around it. Like, we were so happy about the depth after the Raptors game, even before that, you know. Oh, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, everyone's playing well. And then it's just, there's no consistency there. Which, to some degree, you can put blame on them. But when you look at the bench, like, what? It's Peyton Pritchard, who's, what, 22? Ojale's 24, 25, but he's been in the league for a couple of years. Grant Williams is young. You know, you're depending on Carson Edwards at times, who's super young. I'm not saying it's not their fault that they're inconsistent, but most young players are inconsistent, and that's just a fact, right? There's very rare, the few and far in between players who can be a consistent bench piece or any piece at such a young age. And so, like I said before, it's probably on Danny Ainge at this point. If they want to stay competitive right now, they're going to have to go out there and get a veteran or get somebody to anchor this team. And it's clearly not Jeff Teague, if you bring up the point that they have older guys on the bench. It's not Jeff Teague. It's not going to be Jeff Teague. And I'm sorry, I know you're a Jeff Teague fan, but that's it's just a fact. It's funny because Kemba Walker actually did play well today, and it happened to be against the Wizards, so... Uh, you know, we we're about to talk about trades here. Maybe uh, the Wizards saw something they like. You can get Bradley Beal for him after all. Um, yeah, fat chance of that, I suppose. But give me some trade ideas, because what do you think is even possible at this point to improve this team? I, I think we can both agree that 
there might be a little bit of desperation mode at this point because (laughs) you know we talk about the future is what's more important but that trade exception is expiring in a year so you have to use it either now or in the off season and I, for one, was more leaning towards using it in the offseason because I feel like more options will be available to you at that point. But if it's going to be this bad, you have to use it now. No, yeah. I mean, we were talking about this a little bit on the pregame show. And my first eyes go to Sacramento. Uh, Harrison Barnes is playing almost as many minutes as Tatum is this season, and he's playing really well. I really like Harrison Barnes. I like Rachon Holmes, too. I don't know how willing Sacramento would be to part ways with him, but... I also don't know what the Celtics are willing to give up to get those two guys, which is a scary thing because you're probably talking about a few fan favorites. Like Robert Williams is probably one of the best trade pieces the Celtics have right now, and I know a lot of fans like him. I like him. I know you probably like him. It's just that's just the fact of it right now, right? Daniel Tice is playing well outside of these last two games. You know, every guy goes through a cold stretch. You can't blame Daniel Tice too much. He obviously wasn't the cause of the loss today. Uh, Tristan Thompson's playing solid. He hustles at least. He gets rebounds. And Robert Williams isn't playing bad. He's just probably has more value than those other two guys. And while he is on the timeline of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, you can say that all you want. Is he going to be a starting caliber center? I don't know. So if you want to capitalize on Robert Williams' value, he's probably one of the guys, as much as I love him, Grant Williams, probably another one of those guys. He had issues fouling today. Carson Edwards probably has limited value, but you're talking about all these young guys that have the most value. I know you like the Magic as a trade piece. They're desperate for point guards and might want to hit the reset button soon, so guys like Fournier and Vooch might be on the block. But it just it's about what other teams are willing to give up at the deadline, I feel like, at this point. Because as much as the Celtics want to make a trade, I don't know how much other teams are going to give up because teams like the Kings they're still looking to make the playoffs. They're not bad this year. So how much of their depth are they going to want to part ways with for less like ready players, which concerns me. So you bring up Harrison Barnes and I just looked this up. How old do you think Harrison Barnes is right now? 29, 30, 28 years old, not far off, which I was surprised when I saw he's turning 29 in May. So a couple months away, three months away, but mm-hmm. I was so surprised he was that young and he's been in the league. Oh, it feels like a while now. Maybe it's just because we've seen so much of him or, Enough of him, I suppose, before Golden yeah. State uh, got Kevin Durant. But even still, he, it's a guy that feels a little bit older than he is. And I wonder, like, is Harrison Barnes going to be... Is he in that category of players you look at, where you mentioned uh, age before, of, of a guy that can be... A guy that helps them in the present and in the future. A guy that can, you know, have that longevity to be around when Tatum and Brown are in their primes and still be a very, very good player. A hundred percent. I see Harrison Barnes' career aging, like... Iggy's a little bit his former teammate um I think he's a better shooter than Iguodala I don't think he's as good of a defender but I think he's still solid there and I think he will play that role I'm not saying the Celtics are going to be the Warriors dynasty but I think he can play the Iguodala role when Tatum and Brown are in their prime so I think Harrison Barnes we were we talked about it with Chris Forsberg on from the Raptors podcast a little plug there uh but his point was that Harrison Barnes knows what it takes to be a fourth man on the roster. He also knows what it takes to score, right? And if you're talking Celtics, you're talking about a fourth man who can score. So who else but the guy who did that while winning championships, right? So uh, that's why I'm a big fan of Harrison Barnes. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned uh, Robert Williams and a potential trade there. And I just wonder, would the Kings even want Robert Williams? Because, of course, they have Hassan Whiteside right now. Where, you know, who knows if, beyond this season. But they have Marvin Bagley. You mentioned Holmes. 
Uh, you know, the Kings are a team that already have a lot of big men on their roster. So would the, I mean, would Robert Williams even appeal to them as a trade piece? See, my thought process is, I, I don't know anything about Holmes' contract. I, I'd have to fact check it, but I don't know when it's up. I know he's been starting for them. Whiteside hasn't been getting regular minutes at all. Um, Marvin Bagley's been playing some power forward again this year. And I feel like if I'm the Kings, I would possibly, like, again, I'm not the Kings GM. I don't know what their mindset is. But I, they obviously aren't going to compete for a championship this season. That's no secret, right? So if you're talking Kings, you got De'Aaron Fox, you got Marvin Bagley. If you want to pair that with a center for the future, Robert Williams isn't a terrible option to take a chance on, especially if Rachon Holmes' contract is up soon and he might want a little bit of money. You dish him for a guy like Robert Williams. You get a couple picks back in return if you throw in Harrison Barnes and you get, I don't know, Romeo Langford if you want to throw into that trade. I don't know how much value Danny Ainge is willing to give up. You get back two vets for the Celtics, two young guys for the future for the Kings, throwing a, a pick, maybe a second from the Celtics. That doesn't seem like too bad of a deal on both sides. See, I'm not even sure that Romeo Langford would get it done. I think that, uh, and we, we've talked about, we've debated the, the trade value of certain players on this team. Actually, I don't know if I've had this conversation with you, but, you know, the four, we, we look at like Romeo Langford and Aaron Neesmith and we say, well, they have value because they were the 14th overall pick. But as it's it's like driving a used car off the lot, and I'm sure people have made this analogy before me, or driving a, a new car off the lot, rather. You know, they say as soon as you drive it off the lot, it's worth less value. And as soon as you use the pick, it's less valuable because you took a player that you liked, and when you give away the pick, the team, the team you give it to has the freedom to take whoever they like. And so we, we look at these players as if they have the same value as a 14th pick would. But at the end of the day, they, they don't. And they, they especially don't because they haven't proven it. Both Langford and Neesmith haven't proven it at an NBA level yet. And people want to talk about potential. And, and you know, that's nice and, and good. But it's it's not inherently not as valuable as the 14th pick would be. It's less than that. Uh, it's something less than that, no matter who the player is, if they're not performing well at the NBA level yet. And, you, you know, we I talk about a guy like Peyton Pritchard a lot. He's a guy that has played well and has outperformed his draft position. And that's a guy to me, who, who I've mentioned to you before, is the most tradable asset on the Celtics from the standpoint of your willingness to trade him and his value to other teams at this point. So to me, to get Harrison Barnes, you and I know they have a lot of guards there too right now, but you know who knows what Buddy Heald's status is going to be with them after this season. And you know you, they, if Halliburton and Fox are going to start together for the foreseeable future, they could use another backup there. So to me... That might be a guy that you, you might have to look at giving up if you want Harrison Barnes, especially because Sacramento doesn't seem like they're shopping him. They, they don't really seem like they want to give up on Harrison Barnes yet. See, my thoughts on trading Peyton Pritcher, and I think we disagree here, I think that would be the stupidest thing Danny Ainge could possibly do right now. I'm not advocating for doing it. I'm not advocating. I'm just saying that from Sacramento's standpoint, I think that would be their ask. No, and I, I agree. I think that's fair. But my thing is, if I'm Danny Ainge, right, like I like I said earlier, this is not the only window for a championship. They're 22 and 24 years old. You got Jason and Jalen. That's how old they are. Pritchard is 22, right? And as good as Kemba was in that Wizards game, he has a, a I don't I don't even know what the right word is, but he's got so many years left in the league, right? And, and that's sad to say, but he's an aging point guard, and point guards usually don't age that well. So. If we're talking the future, Peyton Pritchard is the closest thing the Celtics have to a future point guard, and it's the closest thing I think they will be able to get, right? Unless you're talking about bringing in a veteran to play the point guard role, like which could be fine, right? 
if we're talking a guy to age into their prime with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, Peyton Pritchard is probably the perfect example of that. He can be a playmaker. We've seen that. He can be a very efficient shooter. We've seen that. And those are the exact things you're looking for to pair with those two guys. And he can play defense, right? And he's 22, and he'll only get better from here. This is the floor of Peyton Pritchard, and the floor is pretty damn good. So I'm Sacramento's GM, and you, you, you're Danny Angel. I call you, and I say, look, Danny, it's going to take Pritchard, Robert Williams, and two firsts to get Harrison Barnes. And you say two firsts as well. What the? And I'm saying, well, both of those firsts are going to be the end of the first round. Uh, you know, I, they're, they're borderline useless to me. I'm going to need at least two to make it worth what one usually be worth if it was the 14th pick or something like that. So that's what I'm going to need. And then you can have your Andre Iguodala, your Harrison Barnes, for your, you know, Andre Iguodala type to you, uh, what you thought he was going to be for the, for the Celtics moving forward here. And you can have that guy on your roster for the foreseeable future, maybe the next five, six years, however long it's going to be. You, what, what's your answer to that? No, because that's a, it's a lateral move at that point in terms of scoring off the bench. If your point is to get Harrison Barnes for the extra scoring, you're giving up the points and the efficiency you're getting from Pritchard. So that's that's almost a lateral move. Plus, you're giving up the minutes from Robert Williams, right? So if I'm the Celtics, I give up as many picks as Sacramento wants, right? Because like you said, picks lose their value when they're after you pick a player. But when you still have the pick, they have more value, obviously. I gave up as many picks as Sacramento wants and keep Peyton Pritchard because in a season where the bench has struggled to remain consistent, he's been one of the best players off that bench as a rookie. So if I'm looking to improve now and in the future, I don't trade Peyton Pritchard. I give up as many picks, but I don't trade Peyton Pritchard. Okay, and this is what I say if I'm Sacramento. I say, I don't want your picks. I'll take two of them, but I'm not taking a whole bunch of your picks because they're, they're going to be, at the end of the day, they're, they're not going to have that much value to me. And you say it's a lateral move. Like, yeah, of course it's a lateral move. It's a trade. Trades are supposed to be a little bit even. You're not going to fleece everybody, although Ainge usually is pretty good at it. But besides that... Harrison Barnes is averaging almost 17 points a game. You know, he's going to average more for the Celtics than Pritchard is. So I'm I'm with I'm probably still going to say no if I'm Ainge. I'm probably with you. I'm I, I'm really trying to force Neesmith and Langford down their throat. And if they're not going to take it, I'll, I'll walk away and I'll wait till the offseason or I'll look for some other trade that I might have on the market. But it's, it's really hard to see Sacramento going any other way to me. I think they're going to say... I think they're going to want Pritchard. I think that could be a sticking point if you really want to make this move. And, and if they do want Pritchard, I hang up and I call Orlando or I call someone else who's in more of a desperation mode because I, as sad as is, Sacramento's in a good spot right now, right? Halliburton and Fox look amazing. They probably don't want too many more guards, maybe a backup. They, they're probably looking for wings that can age into the future with those guys. And Harrison Bards very well could be that guy for them. They did pay him a lot of money, so that's one reason I think they could look to move him right now and, you know, sign some more guys maybe more on the timeline a little bit because I think they're not as much win now and later than the Celtics. I think they're more win later. So if I'm the Kings, you're probably right. They probably say Pritchard or nothing. Ainge hangs up, goes calls a different team, and that could be what it is. Or they say, okay, give us Robert Williams and a couple picks for just Barnes, and maybe that's good enough for them so they can get off that contract, right? And if moving the contract is what's important to Sacramento, I think that's where the deal gets done, and I think Sacramento would have to fall off, which is possible, right? They're a young team. That could happen, but that's just a we'll see kind of thing. But again, I think I don't think that's the case. I think Sacramento wants to hold on to Harrison Barnes, and I, I think you know that that's that's probably what's going to be uh, the problem at the end of the day. And that's why I'm going to bring up his name again. I know you're probably sick of hearing me say this guy's name, but Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier is on the Magic, who are seven games under 500. Sacramento's only one, and Fournier is an expiring contract. So Orlando has a lot of reason to want to get rid of Fournier. A lot more reason than Sacramento would. 
with Harrison Barnes. Fournier, to me, is not the same type of player. You know, he's more of a, if, you, if you're going to, you know, assign each of these guys a position, he's more of a two. Barnes more of a three, although they're, or more of a four, rather, Barnes at this point. But they're only an inch apart, so they can both play that wing position for you. And Fournier this season's averaging more points than him at 17.8. You know, he's been consistently a really good scorer throughout his career. And it's a guy that I've mentioned a lot can approximate what Gordon Hayward has been doing for the Celtics in these recent years here. So re-signing him is going to be an issue. You're going to have to figure out how to do that if you're going to give up any sort of real asset for him. But that's a guy I look at and say he'd be a perfect fit with this Celtics team. Yeah, and I, I like Fournier, and I, I'm pretty sure you said this exact thing, but I wish I could just take all of the Magic's roster and put them on the Celtics because that would be great. I love the Magic's roster for the Celtics specifically, but I'm looking at Orlando, right? They're obviously, they have to realize soon that they're not going to win with this roster. Vucevic is not enough to carry your team to a championship. Aaron Gordon's fine, but if I'm the Magic, I say stop. All right, we're going to build about around Cole Anthony, Jonathan Isaac when he's healthy, and maybe like Chuma Okiki or whoever the hell they want to center their franchise around. If I'm the Celtics, I say, all right, we'll give you some more young assets to take a chance on. We'll give you some draft picks. Granted, they're probably not great draft picks, but draft picks are draft picks in the end, right? You can hit in the late 20s. We've seen that before. And I say, give me Evan Fournier. Give me guys like, I don't know, Mo Bamba you take a chance on if you're the Celtics. Actually, that's a lie. I, ta- I retract that statement immediately. I don't want Mo Bamba at all. I think that's too much of a risk for the Celtics. Uh, underrated guys on the Magic that I think are attainable that the Celtics could target, Terrence Ross. Not brought up a lot. Bringing those two on would be great. Michael Carter-Williams, another name I really like on the Magic. He's not a great shooter, but he's an okay shooter that can pass the ball. He's a scrappy defender, and he brings a tiny bit more playmaking to the Celtics, right? Just any of those guys you can bring to the Celtics for young players and picks, I think would be worth it right now and long term. Yeah, Vucevic is going to be tough, and I know it's a guy that I've liked a lot. I, I, I was trying to look at teams that I think could even make a move for him with their, their assets. I don't think the Celtics can with with how he's looking so far. I don't know that even Bamba would be able to be thrown into it, but if the Magic want to do it, I'll, I'll take it. But Fournier, I think, you know, might be just a, a one for, and you'd have to give up somebody like, you know, Langford and a pick or something like that. Might might uh, be enough, and I know it sounds like a lot, but that's, you know, it's less than Harrison Barnes would cost. Uh, and... You know, I'm, I'm looking at these other teams, like, I think maybe Memphis, if Memphis was willing to go up there, some of their young assets, or, uh, like, the Spurs, or the Kings, like, I think the Kings could put together a nice package if they're willing to give up Buddy Heald, like, I think those are some of the teams I look at and say they could probably make a move for Fusevich if they really want him, but I don't think the Celtics are going to be able to, I just don't think they have the pieces to make it work. But, like I said, yeah, Fournier is a guy I really like. And I know there's some other guys on that roster, too. Aaron Gordon, as well, who we haven't talked about, is, is another would be another great option. But, um, you know, if they can just get Fournier, that would be great. Uh, anything else you want to say after today's game about Kemba Walker, about Jalen Brown, about Jason Tatum, about what Brad Stevens said? Anything at all you have as far as the, the performance? And, and not just against the Wizards, but uh, the last game against the Pistons. I mean, two... I'll just say two of the... I think maybe the two worst back-to-back losses that I've experienced as a Celtics fan in at least mm-hmm. a decade. No, yeah, maybe it's recency bias, but I would probably tend to agree with you on that. It's been ugly. And I don't have any more comments on the hustle or anything. It was just terrible. But I will bring up one more sneaky trade target because I wanted out there that I said it first. Uh, it's been somebody that's been rumored. But he's in a new situation now, and if I were this team, I'd be looking to move him to get max value. But Victor Oladipo is on the Rockets right now, who are wasting away. 
Uh, they are currently 11 and 15, so they're not terrible, but they're not going anywhere with this roster. If I'm the Celtics, I look at Victor Oladipo. I look at, I don't even know who else is on the roster that the Celtics could want, but I get Oladipo in that trade exception with whatever young assets the Rockets want, maybe like a Robert Williams, a couple picks, because he can't have too too much value at this point, and the Rockets are looking to maybe maximize Maybe P.J. Tucker, too. Exactly. You throw in a guy like that, a veteran. Uh, Oladipo and P.J. Tucker would probably fit into that trade exception. Uh, you give up, I don't even know, Robert Williams, Carson Edwards, if they want him, picks Aaron Neesmith and Lankford if they entice the Rockets, and you bring that back to the Celtics. And whether or not Oladipo is willing to take a deal, my point is a move has to be made, Danny Ainge. Like, come on, you have to see it. You're not a dumb guy. It's got to happen. Yeah, I think that's a great one. Honestly, uh, I, I that would be nice to get it done. But as far as closing thoughts, this team is capable of way more. And I think we look at the people last season who said that was an underachievement. Like, I wonder what those people think now. Like, take a look at this team right now. Because this is what an underachieving team looks like. It really is. And, you know, making it to the Eastern Conference Finals, hard to say that's an underachievement when you're looking at what they're doing now. And it feels so similar to what the Sixers dealt with last season. And now, the Sixers are playing a lot better. The Sixers are back to being one of the NBA's best teams, best record in the Eastern Conference right now. So, maybe you can have hope the next season that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. But they're in a bad way right now. And people deserve to be held accountable and look one of the things the Sixers did after that season was fire their head coach and I'm not calling for the Celtics to fire Brad Stevens I still think Brad Stevens is really good and I've defended Brad Stevens pretty much at every turn throughout his tenure in Boston every single time right now it is the hardest I've ever hardest time I've ever had having to defend Brad Stevens I really can't do it at this point and before, when people wanted to fire Brad Stevens, I would call them crazy. At this point, I'm more willing to allow it than I was in the past. You see, that's tough for me because I like Brad Stevens, and I don't think you can blame this Wizards loss on Brad Stevens in any way, shape, or form. I think he's had to deal with a lot with the injuries, and he is trying his best to play a matchup. But with the way those guys looked on the floor, there's only so much he can tell them for them to actually hustle, and they just did nothing. Jason Tatum looked like he was gassed, and maybe he is, and maybe that's Brad Stevens' fault for playing him a little too much, but he really doesn't have any other options right now. And at that point, it's on Danny Ainge. And again, not trying to blame Danny Ainge. I think Danny Ainge is a spectacular GM. I think he's done a great job building this roster. A lot of the guys have potential and were drafted by the Celtics. But there comes a time where you have to stop being stingy and maybe overpay for a guy that's going to help your team and help Jason Tatum not play 49 minutes a night. All right, well, that's going to do it. Hopefully they can pick it up soon because this was an ugly performance uh, as, as we're well aware that this was a low point uh, for the Celtics over the last decade of basketball six seven years whatever you want to say uh, it, it, this was pretty bad this was almost as bad as it's gotten and the Kyrie time as I said got pretty bad I've never felt as pessimistic uh, it, I never felt any as pessimistic during the Kyrie era as I did now and maybe you disagree with me I'm sure a lot of people would but uh, yeah this this was this was a very very ugly all right, Jack, thank you for joining us as always. Guys, go check out Bannertown USA. Go check out Jack's podcast. You can check it out from a couple days ago. He did it with Chris Forsberg. It was a nice guest appearance. Did one with Smartwater. Shout out to Smartwater for coming on the show as well. Uh, you know, always always appreciate uh, her making some of her appearances. You know, it's always always a great time. I got a chance to talk to her yesterday on the, on the locker room app. So Marta goes, great. Yeah, go, go and check that out. And uh, go check out everything over at Bannertown USA. I know you guys are going to have plenty of coverage over the next few days here. Uh, So, Jack, thanks for coming on. Mm -hmm. For sure. Thank you for having me always.
And uh, guys, check out the pregame shows as well because uh, we had a good debate uh, on there earlier today with Tim. And uh, I think I'll be on the From the Rafters podcast tomorrow. It should be or, or, uh, this week at some point. So um, be sure to check that out as well. Uh, you can follow Jack on Twitter at JackSimoneNBA. Follow Bannertown on Twitter at BannertownUSA. Follow me on Twitter at ByKJoyle. Follow Guy Boston Sports on Twitter and check out all the good stuff over there at Guy Boston Sports. And lastly, follow the pod on Twitter at WicketSmartPod. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week.